That's just me. Um, this was, I don't know. I knew it was coming. We all knew it was coming. And Saturday or Sunday, we did a topic on it because you're no stranger to the street. There's been radio shows on this airwaves Monday and now today of the videos and the audio that went viral over the weekend of, you know, karma is the guy that plays on the Chiefs, right? We know this, we know the Swift and Kelsey thing. And this is a minor topic on that. But like, we all knew he was going to Argentina. It it came out the week before the damn bye week, right? They were like, well, is, are the Chiefs upset that, you know, Travis goes, no, it's a bye week. As soon as you played your game in Germany, everybody was on their own. Once the game is over and once the, you know, post-game, you know, conversation is over, Everybody get home safe, or if you're insanely popular like Travis Kelsey, you're going to hang out here for a day, then you're going to meet your you know, your girlfriend in Argentina. We all knew he wasn't going home, right? Mahomes went to Lawrence. Mahomes went to Dallas. Mahomes went back home. Nobody bets an eye. And then they asked Scott Pioli. Here's the deal. For 10 or 11 years, Kelsey has made a lot of good decisions. He's made a ton of good decisions to make sure that he's prepared for every week to be a tremendous professional. He has proven that. He's got a track record. He has shown the team that. The other thing is this. Andy Reid and Brett Veach have a culture. It's a culture where there is a great deal of accountability. So I don't think that this happened without Andy and Brett knowing. I'm sure they talked about it. Everyone knew that it was going to be seen. But again, I wouldn't get too worried about a player like Travis Kelsey because, again, he's done everything that he needs to do. And and I want to go back to one of the shortcomings I had as a leader when I ascended to the general manager role was at times micromanaging things and players when I thought they were maybe putting themselves in too much peril. It's kind of like being a parent where you don't want to see someone make too big of a mistake. I made that mistake in trying to overmanage or micromanage certain things, and it worked the other way. So I think right now they did the right thing as long as there was clear communication between Andy, Brett, and Travis Kelsey. What a backhanded comment. Now, some people didn't say, and I know the text line will offend me, he didn't say anything wrong here. He said basically he was a, you know, he was a, you know, a bad GM. I didn't put, you know, confidence and trust. But I really, really, really hope that Andy Reid and Brett Veach had a conversation. Look, man, it ain't like that. The guy does a podcast every week with his brother. They talked about Chris Jones' situation for three consecutive weeks. They brought up the whole conversation of him trying to give Taylor Swift a bracelet, which led to the relationship. You don't need to worry about what people do on other teams. And I get it. Hey, he had, you know, whatever. Can we, you know, did they have a conversation? Do you think Travis Kelsey needs to have the conversation? And I know you think, oh, it should go without being said. He's done a lot in his career for 11 years. No, he doesn't. I firmly believe that Travis Kelsey didn't have the okay from Andy Reid to do the podcast. I think Kelsey just did it. You know why? Because I think Travis Kelsey's done enough to earn his trust with Andy Reid and the organization. The last time that we ever saw Travis Kelsey really in trouble with Andy Reid was when he didn't show up or do something when they played the Chargers and he missed the first half. 
And I can't remember exactly, but I think it was something with team curfew. Maybe he was out in L.A. a little too late. But there was a time when Travis Kelsey and Andy Reid, you know, had to build that trust. That was several years ago. Now he's a Hall of Fame tight end, two-time Super Bowl winning tight end, and he's proven week in and week out that outside distractions don't really do anything. So, no, I don't think that Travis Kelsey had to go to the door. Hey, Dad. Hey, what's up, son? Hey, Mom said it's cool if it's okay with you. Never asked Mom. But are you fine if I go to Argentina and see my girlfriend? Ah, yeah, that's fine. Love is love. And they tried to ask Andy Reid about it Monday. I I remember the cut. He's like, you know what? I think he's good for her and she's good for him. But the fact that finally somebody speaks about it, and it's Scott Pioli of all people, right? They might as well have called Todd Haley and had him come in too. Better yet, they should have had Romeo Cornell come in. A relationship is a relationship. I have always thought Scott Pioli's comments about the Chiefs have been a little backhanded. A little backhanded. Of course they are. The guy hated a Snickers wrapper on the floor of an elevator. You going to pick that up? And then you want to be like, well, I hope because my time in Kansas City. No, your time has been done for quite some time. Your time has been done prior to John Dorsey. You tried it out in Atlanta. It didn't work. It still ain't working in Atlanta. I, I can't get over old boy as their coach. Don't like him. Not a fan. But the thing about it is that it's like, if you do the say it out loud test and you think of people that maybe you work with that are high up, but aren't the highest, but they're high up, you think they have to ask permission? And if they don't, do you think it's the end of the world? Or do you think it's like, hey, would have liked you to fly that by me last time or next time, but good job. Andy Reid doesn't have to worry about that. I get it. It's weird, right? We're still kind of like, what's the next biggest thing that can happen? Because it went from merchandise sales to television views to Kansas City Chiefs fans. And it got kind of quiet, right? Oh, they went out to dinner. They held hands. They did this to, okay, she ran across the stage after she was done and literally melted in his arms and In foreign land, she drops the Chiefs and dedicates it to her boyfriend who is there. I don't know how much bigger we'll get from that, but something will happen, and someone will get asked, and they'll grab the low-hanging fruit like Scott Pioli did and try to say, well, you know, Kelsey is this. It's a backhanded comment. Whether you can say he didn't say anything wrong at all, it's a backhanded comment. Hey, do you think I had a good day at work today? Yeah, it was good. You know, you had a couple complaints, but other than that, it was good. Oh. Would you care to elaborate? No, 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 you're, you're good. You're good. But you know, but you know what? No, no. Have a good day. Take care. It's Nathan. I'm Dusty. You're listening after hours on 610 sports radio on the other side. We'll get into Mahomes and the Manning cast. Why TV is good, but it's not his future. We know what that is, but there were a couple of things that were interesting when it comes to the Mahomes on the Manning cast and something that made me very, very annoyed. No, 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 not the underwear talk, but something that made me annoyed of how he saw things of the future. This is After Hours on 610 Sports Radio. 
Karma's gonna track you down step by step from town to nice. town. Back here on After Hours, Dusty Likens, Nathan with you until 9 o'clock tonight. We keep reminding you because I just want to let you know it's coming. There you go. Karma is the guy on the cheese. I don't know. I just don't understand the hatred. Don't understand the annoyance of it because, uh, well, I don't know. I guess it is what it is. How many rings does Peely have without Tom Brady? Good question. Zero. I just saw this article. This never goes well. At least hasn't this year. Um, report the Jets had a players-only meeting this week to, quote, clear the air this week. So, what, yesterday or today? And it was a clear the air meeting on the team's frustrating performance so far on the year. The team went on to cut one of the most beloved players in the locker room, Michael Carter, a few hours later. Man, I really thought Robert Sala was going to be okay. But he's on a recipe of getting fired. Because I think everyone in that locker room is over Zach Wilson. In fact, I think they've been over Zach Wilson for probably two weeks. And I get it. It's not, you know, it's not Aaron Rodgers. It's not what your team was supposed to have at quarterback. It was supposed to be, you know, a different, you know, sort of situation. And it's not. But at some point, you got to just, you know, you got to give the team a different chance. Because Zach Wilson ain't cutting it. And every week when you stand by his side, you're going to get the team that's going to be, well, you keep standing by this guy and it ain't working out. Now we got to worry about something else. And now you have a players only meeting. Last time you did that was Vegas. The week after that, they fired their coach and sent in their 2-0. and And one of the teams they beat was the Jets. Now they haven't beaten some rock star teams and they'll play the Chiefs in two weeks. But look, man. When you lose the trust of the locker room, you lose the franchise. And when you lose the franchise, you lose the job. And I think we might be seeing that also in Buffalo. But these team-only meetings, and then you cut a beloved person on the team, man, that ain't good. That is, uh, that is not good. Hey, uh, Patrick, we talked to you. Uh, uh, we saw your old teammate, your backup quarterback, Chad Henney, said you have a few superstitions and that one of them has been wearing the same pair of red underwear on game day for years now and I love a good superstition but you know couldn't you just do something like eating the same pregame meal did it have to be the red underwear <laughs> well you know um well first my wife Brittany got them for me so I had to I'm not not throwing y'all down but I have to wear them you know but uh at the same time I threw them on that first season um we had a pretty good season that season I only wear them for game day though so I can't get they're not too worn down they're not like these like nasty I clean them. Wash them. Wash them. I do. I wash them. I wash them every once in a while, at least. Is it a thong? Um, Is it a g-string? What is it? I mean, if we're if we're on a hot streak, I can't wash them. You know, like I gotta just keep (laughs) keep it rolling. So, uh, you know, as long as I'm winning football games, uh, I'll I'll keep the superstition going. No doubt. Never, never mess with the winning streak. Patrick. That's right. I don't know if we'll get into the out of left field question later tonight, which is somewhat similar with that, but. Mahomes is okay on TV. I didn't think it was going to be like stop watching everything. And the two things that we saw was that. And then the other thing we saw slash heard was when he guaranteed Denver's first, like next three plays. When he was like, run, run, play action, touchdown. 
Now, like any other parlay, which we have one tonight in the in the Champions Classic for the KU basketball game. We'll get into that at 8 o'clock after the out-of-left-field question. That game's set to tip at 8.30. But the other thing that was interesting of that parlay, which you know parlay is something, miracle, something like a miracle has to happen. And when he got the touchdown right, it was that fantastic um, – that fantastic catch by Cortland Sutton. I don't even know how you even how that even happened, but Russell Wilson's rolling out, falls down, throws it in the corner of the end zone. Cortland Sutton catches it, basically just smothered by defenders and just a beautiful toe tap. And Mahomes calls it. Now, the thing that's the interesting take for me on this is that it kind of makes me upset the Chiefs lost to the Broncos. Because the Broncos are super annoying, right? And I don't really, I didn't really know why they were annoying other than the fact that they're the Broncos and have Russell Wilson. But they're annoying because they don't win games. No, no. They don't win games. They steal games. Because they're coming off back-to-back wins against two teams that, at least going into the season and, and probably still now are considered top tier teams. I know it's a mess and the sky is falling in Buffalo and, we'll, and time will tell with that brutal second half schedule. Cause they play the jets. They have a bye week. They play Philadelphia. Then they play Kansas city and then they play the dolphins at the end of the year. So good luck. But the Denver Broncos, they don't really win games. They steal games. Like Patrick Mahomes had two turnovers and the chiefs fumbled three times and lost them all for a five to one Uh, ratio and turnovers versus the Broncos. And when Denver gets the ball, they don't necessarily like do anything that's spectacular. The only thing to me that's mesmerizing that Denver can do is how they're able to just hold time of possession and what they did to the chiefs and what they did to the, to the bills is nothing that is extraordinary. It's not, you know, renovating or strategic. I guess it's a little strategic. But when you turn the ball over five times, no matter who the team is, your chances of winning are probably not great. Right? I'm not I'm not into, like, you know, chemical engineering. I'm sure as hell not an engineer. I get paid to talk. But I know for a fact that if you turn the ball over to whoever five times, you're not going to win. And when the Chiefs turned the ball over to the Broncos, it was in their territory, deep into their territory, right? Where they were, or that, you know, they're able to score. But for some reason, it's like field goal, field goal, and then you don't score. They're still netting points. They're still 6-0, and they hold the ball 2-1 to ratio. And I was watching that game last night because, like many of you, I was intrigued, right, after the game had kind of started and kind of got on its on its roll, right? Cook fumbles, Denver gets it. Then they throw a turn, they throw an interception, Denver gets it. They throw another interception, Denver gets it. And meanwhile, I hear Aikman and Buck talking, and Joe Buck would I think he did it three times. Or it was Troy Aikman or a combination of both. But it would be like Denver would get the ball and it'd be on like the 46 of Denver. And you'd hear one of them be like, or the same one, be like, 
Here's Denver again, ball in favorable position as it's been the entire night. And Denver was getting field goals. But what they were doing, like Denver's best offensive weapon against these types of teams, what they were doing is they were just holding the ball, sucking the life out of the game. And you know what that does to an aggressive team or an aggressive quarterback? It causes them to fret. It causes them to panic. And that's what Josh Allen did last night. And that's maybe what Mahomes might have done. But the thing that's frustrating about it is that you know the Chiefs should have beaten the Broncos, right? Three fumbles, two interceptions, not yourself, losing time of position. And maybe that's the strategy, right? Maybe that's, you know, maybe that's the, you know, I remember in Little League basketball when there wasn't a shot clock and we played this team and they got up on us by like five points in the fourth quarter. And all they did was dribble across half court and dribble it in the corner of the half and just dribble it and dribble it and dribble it. And then somebody would come up and they'd pass it to him. Like the five second pressure rule is still there, but they didn't have to shoot. So what did they make us do? They made us foul them. But what did they do very well? They shot free throws. So they made us foul, 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 foul until they got to the bonus, wasted all the clock and would make their free throws. And then what happens? That team that's behind, that's better than them, Presses. They try to do too much. They try to do too much. They try to hit the the six point three pointer. Not going to happen. And it was frustrating because they could just do that, just dribble in the corner. And that's what Denver does. They get three yards here, two yards there. Then Russell Wilson runs it for five, and they get a first down. And then it's another two and a half minutes. So yeah, you got to stop them. Good for them, but they don't care if they get points. Their number one weapon is time of possession, and they did it to Buffalo, and they did it to Kansas City, and when you heard Patrick Mahomes be like, they're going to run, run, play, action, pass, and they did exactly that. It just annoyed me. I just definitely want – I just hated that because it's just it's, – it's not Bush League, but it's just it's, – it, it, it sucks to see that. And, again, it's Buffalo. They needed to lose. That's fine. But when you watch that Kansas City game, you go back, it's just like, eh. Because, like, you look at it. Russell Wilson throws, like, 21 times – 18 completions for like 117 and then has like nine rushes for 38 yards. Mahomes will have like five rushes for 27 yards because he'll cap off a big third and 15 and get it. Russell Wilson and the Broncos just do enough and they move the chains and then they try to play field position. They know they're not good. They have two impressive wins. I'm not taking that away from them, but it just annoyed me that he could be able to call their plays. You know, you can beat that team and you didn't because they just sucked the life out of the game. Yeah, I was gonna say I think I think it's I think that is the Broncos offense operating at full capacity. <laughs> I don't think there's any secrets out there about what they yeah. are. And it makes it ten times more frustrating when you lose to that team. And somebody says, I'm not definitely a Denver hater, but Denver's defense balled out. I mean, Josh Allen threw two blatant interceptions. One was literally Gabe Davis's fault. He tipped it, went in the air. That's an interception. The other one was in double coverage where he just threw it right to the defender. I think it was right before half after Denver had just kicked a field goal. They gave it right back to Denver. And what did Denver do? They didn't score a touchdown. They scored another field goal. So they netted six points. You netted zero. That's a huge advantage. It's like playing darts. Another analogy. You know you can beat that guy in cricket, but for some reason you can't hit bullseye. And what does he do first? Hits three bullseyes. And then just takes his time 
and picks you apart because you know he who knows that you can't hit that bullseye. Somebody says, that's winning. Chiefs should have taken the Broncos to the woodshed. Russ averaged 3.5 yards per pass. I get it. I get it, man. It's just like it was frustrating to see that. I get it's football, it's parody, but it always does seem, doesn't it? It always does seem the Chiefs have those games every year where you just don't understand the loss. Like the Colts game last year, you're just like, what? How did that happen? Matt Ryan was washed. The Colts were terrible. Matt Ryan got cut. How did they lose? They beat themselves. How did they lose to Denver? They beat themselves. How did they lose to the Lions? They beat themselves. No one has really beaten the Chiefs this year. The Chiefs have beaten the Chiefs twice. And usually following one of those disappointing losses is like an offensive explosion. And we'll mm-hmm. see, I wouldn't classify last week as that, but we'll see if one's coming. After that Colts game last year, mm-hmm. they go down to Tampa. Everyone's picking them to lose. Put up 40. Yeah, they dropped 41. Year before, they get embarrassed in Tennessee. They squeak by Green Bay here at home. Mm-hmm. They go to Vegas and drop 41 or 42 points. Mm. We'll see. Maybe Monday night, man. That'd be nice. We'll look into the AFC's Week 11, that Monday night game plus more. Uh, it's Nathan. It's Dusty. You're listening after hours on 610 Sports Radio. Back here on After Hours, Dusty Likens with you, Nathan with you as well. What a bye week we had this past week. Might have been the most effective season all year. You didn't even play a game. You as in Kansas City Chiefs fans that want to see this team be successful once again and go all the way to the promised land. Well, you've uh, you've definitely got some some distance between you and the car behind you in the fast lane. Right? You've brake checked hard. And that car said, all right. Which, by the way, I want to be, I want to be very clear here. It ain't worth it on the highway, man. Like if somebody's being that guy or that gal and they riding up on your ass, just slide over. Let them go. You don't need to have any road rage. It ain't worth it anymore. You don't know who's who anymore. Just let it go. You know? If you've got a kid that loves the song in the, in the Frozen movie, put that in your head next time you see somebody coming up on you like the guy from Jeepers Creepers. Just, just slide over. Let him win. It's, it's, it's okay. Because you don't know who's got what. You don't know who's going to do what. Who you might run into at the streetlight. They roll their window down. You've seen all the videos. You've seen the reels. You've seen the Karens and the Kyles and the Psychos. Just let it go. Let it go. Anyways. uh, The AFC, the rest of the week. Nathan, you said you wanted to talk a little bit about the Bengals and Ravens game. Because you, unlike everybody else, you're rooting for the Ravens. You want the Bengals dead and gone. I'm rooting for the Ravens, man. Okay. I've seen Joe Burrow in big moments. Uh-huh. I trust Joe Burrow. Okay. I'd pick the Chiefs if they played the Bengals head-to-head this January. Man, I, I tell you right now, I'd, I'd put money on the Buffalo Bills not going to the playoffs. Uh-huh. With their schedule, they're 5-5. Five and five. Yeah, impossible. It's, it's a nine-win football team, man. Yeah. The Bengals, I understand they dropped that game to the Texans, but they've reverted to old form here in the last month or so. And, I, I you know, if they get there – they are being the top of their division, which a win this Thursday night helps them do so. Mm-hmm. I think we're a few weeks away from talking about them as the number one competitor again. And, and I've seen Burrow do it in the big moments. I've seen none of these other guys do it. I haven't seen Lamar do it. We talked about Trevor Lawrence earlier. Tua, 
I want the Bengals out of this thing. Yeah. And I've had conversations with buddies of mine and, and coworkers as well, where a lot of people are like, watch, here's what's going to happen. Or I guess a few. By the way, Bengals three and a half point underdogs in Baltimore on Thursday night. The over under in that game, 46 and a half. Baltimore seven and three. Cincinnati five and four. Cincinnati, uh, a lot of a lot of buddies of mine, coworkers of mine at the side gig have kind of had that same sort of feel, right, Nathan, that you share, which is I've seen it, I don't like it, I don't want it. If there's ever been to me a time where the Bengals have shown vulnerability, it's this year. Because like we'd mentioned earlier with the with the Bills, like the window is is just all but closed. It's cracked right now. Now it can still open up, but right now it's cracked, right? Stefan Diggs, all that sort of stuff. We'll get into it a little bit later. And with Cincinnati, like they're vulnerable, right? Like T. Higgins is hurt. I doubt he plays in this game. He has a hamstring industry in industry, hamstring injury. And I doubt it makes it cleared by Thursday night, right? They're already a day ahead. They have to be. Right now is Wednesday. Yes, or today was Wednesday. Tomorrow is basically the last day of practice. Then they have to travel and find out what they have for the game. <clears throat> Excuse me. But I am rooting for Cincinnati to win this game. Because for me, at the end of the day, the perfect recipe that I know works for the Chiefs is the one seed and no travel in the playoffs. Mahomes has yet to travel in the playoffs. Mahomes has played in five consecutive AFC Championship games. Out of those five, three of those times, he's gone to the Super Bowl. So I know what works. Now, either way we like it, somebody's losing this game. And it's probably one of the better Thursday night games of the year. It comes with some impeccable timing. Because if Cincinnati loses, they're 5-5. Five and five. It's probably, I mean, it's bleak. You still got the Chiefs on your schedule at their place as well as you have to fight that AFC North. Still got to play Cleveland, who you can't beat. They have a great defense. Still got to play Pittsburgh. So I don't know. And the Steelers and the Browns played this weekend, if I'm not mistaken. They so do. one of them will be a seven-win football team also. Cincinnati is going to be buried if they lose this Thursday night. It's it's tough. Cleveland-Pittsburgh, that's the other noon game. Yeah. And I guess we're getting at the same thing here. Mm. I, I If I were more concerned about Baltimore challenging the Chiefs for the one seed, I'd be rooting for Cincinnati. Absolutely. I get what the text line and everyone else is talking about. Mm-hmm. The Ravens' upcoming schedule, and, and after this week – they play the Chargers, the Rams. Okay, I get it. Their last four games of the season, at Jacksonville, at San Francisco, and then home against the Dolphins and Steelers. Mm-hmm. Man, there's two more losses in that schedule somewhere. That's not a 13-win football team. I yeah. do not think they're a threat for the one seed to the Chiefs. If I did, I'd absolutely be on the Bengals' side this week. But I want them I want them buried. Yeah, I, th- I just think that – I just want separation. Comfortability gives you less time to stress or to try to press. Uh, Tennessee and Jacksonville, another battle this week of the AFC. Jacksonville, six and a half point favorites. Tennessee looking to prove something, right? Looking to try to show that they can be something. Man, 
I just want Tennessee to win so that the Houston Texans and Jacksonville game next week is electric. Uh, Vegas plays at Miami. Miami coming off the loss in Germany to Kansas City. Vegas coming off two wins. Riding high. Going to South Beach. Got a lot of answers there. And I know that's not a juicy game for a lot, but I'm into storylines. And this is a Vegas team that is, you know, we're back. You know, Max Crosby hitting the backwood in the locker room. Ready to roll. Damn near dropping some pretty uh, inappropriate words in a video that he could have deleted and reshot, but he didn't. And now Vegas goes and plays a Miami team that's had a week to realize, okay, we haven't beaten Philadelphia, Buffalo, Kansas City. We got to beat somebody. And we need to make an example of somebody. Do they make an example of the Vegas Raiders or are the Vegas Raiders legit with Antonio Pierce? Are they a team that's revamped, refired up, freshened up as a new team? You mentioned it earlier, Steelers and Browns, another division game. A badass game that's going to be. That's going to be... No pun intended, a dog fight. The over-under in that game right now is 36 and a half, and I'm really, really thinking about taking the under. That game could be literally 17 to 10. And you'll watch every minute of it, or you'll just be, it'll be Scott Hansen going back and forth through it. Jets and Bills. That's another one. Who wants that division more? Who wants to prove that they're actually a team that's not what other people say they are? Right? Are the Jets a team that's lost and the locker room is is blowing up in front of their face and they got a coach riding with a quarterback that could lose a locker room franchise and jump? Buffalo Bills, same situation. And you never would have thought you'd have this in week 11. A quarterback that is in shambles, a head coach that is in trouble or in fear of maybe losing that locker room and drama with outside the organization, which we don't know much of it. We know that Diggs' brother said what he said. Double down again today. But again, then you get to the matchup of Eagles at Chiefs. So you get a lot of in-house divisional games. Ravens, Bengals, Titans, Jags. You get Jets, Bills, and then you get to cap it all off on November 20 with Philadelphia at Kansas City. Other good games of note as well. Arizona, Houston. I know you might not think great game, but that's Kyler Murray versus CJ Stroud. CJ Stroud could literally go into Houston, beat Kyler Murray, look at the Arizona lock or the sideline and be like, this is what you thought you had. But this ain't what you got. Which Kyler Murray plays one game, brings his team back and wins. So say what you will about your narrative on Kyler Murray. Coming up on the other side, we get into what Andy Reid said about a wide receiver that I think we finally found out exactly what he is and who he will be moving forward. That's Nathan I'm Dusty. This is after hours on 610 Sports Radio. here on After Hours, final segment before we get into 8 o'clock, which means we'll do the out-of-left-field question, kind of relatable to the Patrick Mahomes and the underwear thing. Not really, though. Kind of, I guess. You a big Blink guy, Nathan? I like Blink. Kind of before your time, I guess, when they were, like, super uber popular. Yeah, but though, is is it August next year? It's next summer, isn't it? Yeah, August 9th. Yeah, I'll probably be there. I will be there. I already have tickets secured. 
Mm. Can't wait. Uh, this was Andy Reid earlier this week about a certain wide receiver. We'll just keep keep coming with him. You know, he's. I just want to remind remind everybody that he did have the knee surgery, so we're we're taking it we're taking it easy with him uh, up to this point, and um, and so just making sure he's he can make it through the year and uh, in good health. That was Andy Reid on Canarius Tony. We all know that, right? Like we know what's going on, and Peter King, who the drive had on, they had this. He had hit this to say on on Rasheed Rice and, and you know Sky Moore. And the one thing that Andy told me after that game last Sunday is that basically that he is bullish on Sky Moore and he's bullish on Rasheed Rice, and Rasheed Rice has shown evidence why you should be bullish. Sky Moore, it's been a little bit slow for him it's a year and a half and he probably has not made the impact that anybody in Kansas City thought he would but I just sense <clears throat> look Sky Moore followed Patrick Mahomes around all through the offseason he was at all of his workouts wherever Mahomes was Sky Moore was I think they're building a good chemistry I think the thing with Sky Moore and with a lot of the guys in this offense right now is that they don't separate the way that, uh, you know, especially obviously Tyreek Hill separated. And so I think that's a factor. That Peter King who joined the drive earlier today. So we hear everything there. And the two storylines I think that went into the bye week was, What's the future like for the wide receiver room? And is, you know, is there like, you know, the the waiting for what could be the better, you know, position for the wide receivers? Right? Like is, because I know there was a lot of people that, you know, didn't necessarily maybe believe, um, you know, didn't necessarily believe that they were holding Jarek McKinnon on a pitch count. I think that's, Evidently clear. Now you've heard enough sources that are around the team enough and are and around them long that that can give you the clarification that's probably true. Pete Sweeney, Nate Taylor, those kind of guys, right? Oh yeah, they're probably you know they're probably you know waiting for later on in the season. He's a vet, keep the legs fresh. Canarius Tony, to me, the same thing is one hundred percent true. We knew it and we could feel it when it came to this situation. Now I know there was a lot of us out there that when. They gave the report out early in the season in the in the early spring that they were planning on having Kadarius Tony be, you know, the number one wide receiver on this roster. I think there was a lot of us that, you know, looked at it as like, man, that'd be awesome. That's the ceiling. That's what you'd love to see happen. And then a lot was brought back down to earth at a very extraordinary rate when the knee injury happened in training camp with no contact and on a punt return and just padless. And you think to yourself, well, damn. If that's the case, my belief is firmly on this side. Or maybe with Kadarius Tony, your belief was on the other side of, you know what? The hell with it. It's never going to happen. It's never going to be this way. But maybe there's a chance that they can use him certain ways and maybe there's a chance that one thing we need to all realize is that he wasn't a first round a first round wide receiver take 
And I think that's where the conversation really lies beneath your thought process of what Kadarius Tony is. It's not a shot at his talent. It's not a shot at what he is, but maybe he's not a number. Maybe he's not a first round wide receiver. Maybe the Giants stretched a lot. Maybe he's more of like a third, fourth round potential draft pick with potential to improve skill set and understand game at highest level. Or maybe he's a guy who's exactly what he is. He's injury prone, but when he's healthy and taken care of in the way that he should be, which means he's not a wide receiver one, not a wide receiver two, borderline wide receiver three, but good for one of those plays throughout the year or a few of those plays in a situation where it's like, we need this. Just make the play. Because you heard what Andy Reid said after week one. Maybe I put a little bit too much pressure on him out there. And, you know, we saw what Canarius Tony had. Four drops. What was it? In the first game, he had three of them. Two of them. Three, I think. One of them was a pick six. And it was like, all right, all right, all right, all right. Whoa, Maybe we're all with Andy Reid here. Maybe we were, you know, a bit egregious. Maybe we were a little bit, you know, too colorful on. Oh, yeah, I could see it. I mean, he went in the first round. Maybe he shouldn't have. But the other side of that argument, too, is he's kind of the reason you won the Super Bowl last year because he had one really, really, really big play. He took that punt return, long as the Super Bowl history, all the way down into dangerous territory. Why? Because he was healthy and they waited to play him. And maybe he's that guy. Divisional round against Houston. Maybe he's the guy. AFC championship game against Baltimore. Super Bowl. Philadelphia rematch. Has one of those plays where it's like, you know what? It's a pivotal moment of the game. It's 13 to 10. We need a first down here. We need some yardage to get down into serious territory. We're going to throw you a screen, let your speed and your improvisation take over. And it's going to click because he knows that there's not a lot of pressure on him to do this over and over and over again and to be a guy. Maybe more so his role is to be a moment, to be a thing that does something for a team and carries him to a point in the game where it's like, you know what? That's all we need you for. We need you for like two plays a game. You're going to get three, maybe four targets. But really out of those three targets, we just need you to take one of them for a solid gain or make a big catch or put somebody on skates, catch it, go down. Remember the Tyree kill play against Cincinnati or Cleveland in the divisional round? The little five-yard up and out, catch it, sit down, let time, let Canaries Tony learn that route, perfect it, and that's his route. Because you're going to need that in a divisional round, in an AFC championship round, or a Super Bowl round game where it's like we need five yards here and we have a play and we have a trust in it and that's all we need you to do. We don't need you to have seven for 140 and a touchdown. Could you do it? Probably. Would it be an anomaly? Absolutely. He's a third or fourth round guy, not a first round pick. That's where the conversation needs to be with Kadarius Tony. And yes, of course you save him. 913-586-7610. Random question or out of left field question. Is there something you do always daily or weekly that some people might find a bit odd or weird. 913-586-7610. Again, is there something that you do daily or always that some people might find a bit weird or not normal? 913-586-7610. That's Nathan. I'm Dusty. You're listening to After Hours on 610 Sports Radio. 